0: Heavenly Father, as we uh, again share tonight about this topic of prayer, we ask again for your assistance. And we ask, Lord, just like the early disciples, can you please teach us to pray? Not simply teach us about prayer, but teach us, um, disciple us to become a people of prayer. Prayer is your ordained means of achieving your purposes in this world. And we want to work with you in achieving your purposes seeing people transformed into passionate followers of Jesus. So Lord, shape us tonight, motivate us, challenge us, do whatever it is you need to do in each of our lives that we can be more effective for Jesus and more pleasing to you. We pray in his name. And everybody said? We're in the middle of this uh, series on prayer, which is using the Lord's Prayer as a bit of a base, but really it's not looking at the Lord's Prayer, it's using that as a springboard, a a jumping-off action. And tonight's topic comes out of the fact that When you pray through the Lord's Prayer on a regular discipline basis, you end up, you'll be repeating it. And that even in the Lord's Prayer, there have been some requests that still haven't been answered. After 2,000 years, church has been praying for 2,000 years, millions of people in the world. And so literally billions of times this prayer would have been prayed and it's still not answered. Your kingdom come. Still waiting. God's kingdom is still to come. There is a truth that God's kingdom is here. It is in the midst of us. It is transforming us individually, personally, even corporately. But the kingdom of God has not yet come, as the Bible teaches and talks about, where it will be a new heavens and a new earth, wherein righteousness will dwell and evil will be removed. That day is coming. But there is a prayer that's been prayed and is still not answered. Can you think of any other prayers the Lord Jesus prayed? That have not been answered or that were not answered in the affirmative as remarkable as that sounds or is sorry when he was in the garden of gethsemane and he says you know my prayer is that this cup might pass me by but not my will but your will be done yep any others I can think of one other in John chapter 17 A long prayer about the Lord Jesus praying probably again in the garden and certainly on that last night before he was taken to the cross and crucified, he prays for the church to be one that the world might know that you sent me, look at the church today, is it one? Not yet, prayer's not answered, will it be answered? Yep God will one day answer that prayer but not yet it's not time just yet interesting isn't it and there it seems that there are some things that God doesn't do unless we ask him to do them if you look at the healings of the Lord Jesus in nearly all of them he doesn't heal anybody unless they ask for it not all the occasions but on most of the occasions first they ask then he heals it's the same thing prayer first and then him responding to it according to the sovereign will of God We've been learning, and I'm reiterating tonight, prayer is really about a relationship. When I first became a Christian, I read a book by a lady called Rosalind Rinker. Know that name? No? Nobody? Thought some of you might. Rosalind Rinker was a, a, a missionary to Japan, American lady, and she wrote a book called Conversing with God. And in reading that very small paperback, she has this dynamic experience of the reality of God in her life and particularly in relationship to prayer. She was praying with a missionary friend one day in Japan and as they were praying about a particular situation, I think she said, oh, I know the answer to that already. She bumped into somebody that they were praying with and I hadn't had time to update you and so she updated them on the person that they had been praying about and they fell about giggling. And it's almost like God opened the window for them to say that's what prayer should be like, it should be a conversation in which we're talking to God and with one another and involving him in the things that concern us. And it's as real as talking. And then she started teaching these principles to others and she said the best way to learn this principle, this is hard, but the best way to learn it is to discipline yourself by praying sentence prayers. That before you pray, you think about what you're going to say, think about the wording of it very carefully, check yourself, do I believe that God can do that? because prayer's got to come from a basis of faith. And then on the basis of, yes, I believe God can do that, then to utter that very specific short sentence, prayer. Try it. It's very difficult. But it's well worth the exercise. Some of the most dynamic prayer experiences I've had with, you know, one-on-one with another person, sharing and praying together, have been those sorts of prayer times where we are sharing, conversing, dialoguing, backwards and forwards about a topic. And we're talking about the same topic together, sentence in, sentence out. And then we change topics, talk about something else with Jesus in the room. He becomes very real, Rosalind Rinker. Prayer is all about that relationship. But prayer, because it is a relationship and relationships also involve commitment and involve hard work. Relationships had to be work, have to be worked out. I've been married 40 years to the best woman in the world. She's still got to work at her relationship. And so do I. As beautiful as she is, as loving as she is, as submissive as she is, as generous as she is, I hope she doesn't listen to this tape. (laughs) There's still stuff that she does that irritates me. There might be stuff that I do that may, might irritate her. I don't think so. After 40 years. She can read me like a book. And to me, she's still a mystery. I think that's the male-female thing. Requires discipline, requires commitment, perseverance. So does prayer. We have to commit ourselves to wanting to develop this relationship with God. It's not easy. All good things are not easy. Not in this fallen world. And you know, God even tells us, as I said in this morning services... God even tells us there are times in our relationship with Him where He's not going to listen to us. That something might be wrong or something else is going on that we don't know about. Just like parents protect kids from things that are going on, so our Heavenly Father protects us from things. He doesn't tell us everything because sometimes we won't be able to handle it. And He's our loving Heavenly Father. He's a good, good Father and He loves us that's who we are and so we need to trust him through those times when he seems silent or distant or absent and we all have those sorts of experiences but like I said he tells us in the Bible up front some of them are quite obvious Bible says that if I regard iniquity in my heart if if I've got sin in my heart if I know I've got sin in my heart if something's wrong then the Bible says the Lord will not hear no we're not talking about that yet We've got something else we need to talk about. Imagine you go away on holidays for a little while, a couple of weeks or something, and when you come back, the lawn has grown. And the person you left to mow the lawn didn't mow the lawn and your mower's busted. So you need to go next door to borrow your neighbor's mower. And in the process of going next door to ask your neighbor for his mower because he's a great neighbor, he's got a little dog, a little dash hound dog that you hate. And that little dog hates you. And that little dog comes up and is sniffing around your leg and does something to your leg that dogs shouldn't do. So you kick him away and then you look up. And standing at the front door is your neighbour and you've just kicked his dog and he's standing there with his arms crossed. Is now the time for you to go and ask him, can I borrow your mower? There's something else you need to talk about, isn't there? So too with God. When we stuff up, when we mess up, when we sin, it's something we need to talk to God about first. We need to confess, we need to put it right. And the Lord says very clearly, if you're cherishing sin in your heart, he's not going to be listening. In fact, God says in Isaiah 59, verse 2, that sin separates us from God. It breaks, not the relationship, but it breaks the fellowship for us as followers of the Lord Jesus. Your sins hide his face from you so that he does not hear. That's what he says to his ancient people, the people of Israel. Or James, at the end of his letter, he says some challenging stuff. When we pray, when we talk to God in prayer, we must ask in faith, without doubting. For the one who doubts is like a surf of the sea that's driven and tossed by the wind. That person who's who's doubting, that person ought not to expect that he'll receive anything from the Lord. The Bible tells us on numerous occasions, and there's about a dozen of them there, that there are conditions, that there are standards, that there are things that go on that explain for us why sometimes God does not answer our prayers, why there is a silence. And so tonight's question is really, and what do we do when that's happening? What does God expect of us? Well, if you know what the reason is, if you know God is silent because of sin, well then you know what to do. It's confess it, forsake it, apologize to God about it ask him to forgive you he does and then move on from there but what happens when it's not sin you've checked yourself you're not the cause of this lack of response from God there's something else going on well often we don't know this but it could be satanic opposition there could be some sort of spiritual warfare thing happening The book of Daniel gives us an amazing insight. In Daniel chapter 9, Daniel starts praying. He'd been reading the Bible and he starts petitioning God to fulfill his promise and return Israel to the promised land. And in chapter 10, and he's praying and he's praying and he's praying. In chapter 10, he gets a visit from an angel, Michael, the archangel. And Michael says to Daniel, Daniel God heard you on the very first day that you prayed, 21 days ago. And I was sent to communicate to you that your prayer has been heard and answered in the affirmative, 21 days late. And then he says, The reason I'm late is because I've been doing battle with the Prince of Persia, this other demonic influence, some sort of battle in the heavenlies of, that we know so little about that we can't observe. But the Bible alludes to in instances like this. Maybe sometimes God's not answering your prayer or you think he's not answering the prayer is because there's some sort of satanic opposition. Well, if that is the case, if you suspect that's the case, what do you do? Well, the Bible says that we are to bind the strong man in the name of the Lord Jesus. That's not Satan. You can't bind Satan, but you can bind the strong man. Satan is allowed to roam to and fro on the earth until that time appointed for him when he'll be in prison, chained up. But his delegated emissaries, his ambassadors over various regions and locations, those can be limited, those can be bound, and we have the authority in Jesus to be able to do that. Maybe that's what it is. Maybe sometimes we're praying and we're not getting the answer and we don't understand why. It's not because of sin. We don't have any idea that it's anything to do spiritually. God hasn't given any indication of anything like that. It might be because the th- very thing we're praying about, that God has done his bit. He's said yes. But God is waiting for us to do our bit. Sometimes when we pray, we're asking God to do something for us that also involves some responsibility on our behalf. And if that's the case... God will do his bit. He'll answer the prayer. But we have to do our bit. You could be a student doing an exam. And you can pray and ask God to help you pass the exam. But what have you got to do? You've got to study. You've got to do your bit. So God can say, yep, more than happy to help you. Now it's over to you. Could be in a broken relationship. Could be somebody at work, whatever. Could be kids with parents. And you're asking God, can you please fix this? Can you please um, help this? And God is saying, yep, I'd be more than happy to. But we have a responsibility as well. We need to be going to the person and talking to them. Maybe we need to apologise. Maybe we need to punch them in the nose. No, that's not it, no. Maybe we need to have this frank conversation of saying things are not right with us. How can we fix it? God will do his part. We need to do our part. Sometimes that might be why the prayer is not being answered. But there are some other reasons that I've thought about this week. I reckon one of the key reasons why our Heavenly Father, who loves us incredibly, doesn't answer our prayers immediately and sometimes is silent, is because he wants us to keep coming to him and asking. He yearns for that conversation, that relationship, where you will come to him and you will keep asking for the same thing again and again and again. I don't mean God is holding out like a carrot and making you come. I don't mean that. But I mean, God will sometimes withhold or delay an answer in order to develop the relationship, in order for you to realise how much you depend upon him. Sin, which makes us self-focused, also makes our default position to be independent. We think we can do it ourselves, when the reality is we can't. We depend on God for every aspect of our life. And God, through prayer and his relationship with us, is teaching us that by him withholding things. So therefore, when God is silent and I'm asking for something and I have no response, I have no answer, I have silence, I should keep on asking, and keep on asking. That's what Jesus teaches. Ask and keep on asking, seek and keep on seeking, knock and keep on knocking. Those who ask will receive, those who seek will find, those who knock, the door will be opened. He doesn't say when, but he does say that it'll happen, that God will respond. And that in the process of God being silent with us, He is in fact wanting to drive deeper the roots of this relationship. God is shaping us. That we're becoming different people in the relationship. After 40 years of marriage to Rhonda, I'm a different person than I am. I am a different person now than I was 40 years ago. And so is she. We have influenced each other's lives. And if you're married, you'll be having very similar experiences. God uses prayer to develop that relationship. And sometimes he withholds answers. Sometimes he is silent and distant. And we don't like it. We're the immediate generation. We want want things quickly. Our highways have speed lanes in them. You go to the supermarket, it has expressways getting out of it. We have microwaves. We're the instant generation. God's on a totally different timetable. He's all about relationships and reality. And a thousand years to him, the Bible says, is just like a day. And a day, just like a thousand years. So Jesus was here 2,000 years ago. And he says, I'm coming soon. And we go, that's 2,000 years ago. And God says, no, it's a couple of days. Different perspective altogether. Sometimes God doesn't answer our prayers because he, in the process of shaping us, also wants to improve us. To bring us to a a mentality of um, searching and acknowledging what's wrong. Sometimes we should be thankful that God doesn't answer our prayers. He's a loving Heavenly Father who knows much smarter than we are. He's all wise, all knowing. He knows the end from the beginning. And so when we're asking for something, He knows whether that's going to be good or bad or better or best for us. And so we need to trust him in the process of him responding to us. I said this morning, congregation, about a young lady called Amy Carmichael. Amy was a little girl. When she was born, she had brown eyes, and every other girl in her class had blue eyes. And she wanted to have blue eyes. And she went to bed, she prayed, God, please, you can do anything. Please change my blue eyes to my brown eyes to blue eyes. She got up in the morning, she looked in the mirror, fully expectant, and they were still brown and she prayed it numerous times and she was heartbroken it wasn't until she grew up and then she became a missionary and she went to India and she was fulfilling her life purpose of actually delivering children from Hindu temples and prostitutions and child slavery and stuff and she was smuggling in the mountain, it was because she had brown eyes when she covered her head and put scarves and things on that she couldn't be distinguished and she couldn't be recognised, they thought she was an Indian, God working his purposes out So disappointed, God, you didn't tell me, give me what I wanted. You didn't answer me. But he had a purpose. We need that sort of perspective. And I don't understand, but I know you're good, I know you're loving, and I trust you. I don't like it, but I like you, and I trust you. That's where God wants to get us in our relationships with him. Just think about for a minute, if God did answer all your prayers, every single one of them? Well, Ruth Graham, Billy Graham's wife, would say, if God did that, then she would have married several of the wrong men several times. If God gave you everything that you wanted and God gave you everything that you wanted and God gave you everything that you wanted and God gave me everything that you wanted, before very long, this world would be absolute chaos. We would be fully selfish We'd come to God in prayer and we'd rub the bottle and we'd say, God, I'd like a million dollars. Sure. Poof. And then you would pray your prayer, God, I want you to take the million dollars away from Pastor Daryl, and poof, <laughs> it'd be gone. That's what life would be like. Well, just change it. God doesn't answer everybody's prayer. God just answers my prayer. That I can pray and I can get whatever I want, what would happen? you seen the movie Bruce Almighty? Not a, I don't recommend the film but it has a great premise in it and that is that we're flawed creatures and if we have that sort of power then we start using God like a genie in the bottle and we get all of our wishes, we become the ultimate selfish thing and so it's good that God doesn't answer all of our prayers those way it's good that God says no and sometimes it's necessary for God not to say no just for him to simply let it pass through to the keeper I have to really hurry and sometimes I mean there are a couple of reasons why perhaps that's why God's not answering it but at the end of the day God is in heaven we are on earth he is sovereign and almighty and we are so limited, and we don't know. C.S. Lewis once very sadly described uh, his experience of coming to God in prayer when he was absolutely desperate. His wife had died, and he was crying out to God for whatever, for help and assistance. And he felt that when he prayed, he sensed the door of heaven shutting in his face, and he heard like the bolt on the inside locking, and double locking. And then there was silence. And he writes about that as only he can. And he says, why is it that when we are so desperate and we have no other hope, just God, that he can be silent and aloof and distant? That's the reality. If you've never experienced that, just keep living. You will. Most of us have. We go through these periods. Why? Don't know. It's a mystery. God hasn't been pleased to tell us. We can only trust him. So therefore, what should we do? How should we pray when God is so distant, so silent from us? We should continue to pour out to him very honestly what we're thinking and feeling. If you're feeling... Disappointed? Express that to God. He wants the relationship and he wants it to be real. If you're disappointed or angry or hurt, talk to him about that. And he will lead you. He'll hold your hand and he will lead you forward. Somebody once described prayer, Ron Dunn, I think he said, often in prayer we get into a crisis and we pray that God will bring in his hand and he'll just lift us out of it. When often what God does is he takes a parachute and he parachutes into the situation where we are and he's with us in the midst of it so look for a sense of his nearness and if that's not there believe in him even when you can't sense his nearness how long should we keep praying until you get an answer that's what the Bible teaches that's what Jesus teaches and both the stories that Josh read to us the friend at midnight and the widow going before the judge Keep on asking, keep on asking, keep on asking, keep on asking. Don't stop until you get the answer. Or until you get a promise or an assurance, like Daniel did with that angelic visitor, until you get an awareness that the answer's coming, your spirit will quicken, the spirit of God will reveal it through scripture to you that, yep, I've heard you and the answer's on the way. And if God says no, if God says stop, then stop. Take his warnings very seriously. There are some warnings in the scripture that says um, sometimes we can persistently pray. We can keep asking for what God has said no to. And sometimes, even though he's a loving heavenly father, sometimes he'll actually give it to us. Even though it's not good for us. He does it and he allows it to teach us lessons, I guess. Did it with the children of Israel when he gave them a king. Did it with King Hezekiah. I don't have time to go into it, but bad things happened to King Hezekiah when he lived that extra 15 years. And Psalm 106 verse 15 says, God granted their request. He's cranky with the people of Israel and they kept pestering him. Said no. He granted their request, but he sent leanness into their souls. So what do you do? When God has an answer, what do you do when God is distant? What do you do when you've been asking for something and you don't have it just yet? You've had no response. Keep on, persevere, don't give up, don't stop. Believe, know and love and understand that he is a loving heavenly father who cares about you and that you are his child. The Bible says in Habakkuk chapter three, I'll finish with this, verse 17 and 18. Habakkuk the prophet says, It was going through a bad time. He says, when the fig tree doesn't bud, bad things happening. There's no grapes on the vine. When the olive tree doesn't produce and the fields yield no crops. When the sheep disappear from the pen and there's no cattle in the stall. Everything's gone. I'm unemployed. My friends have left me and the weather's terrible. Yet he says, I'll rejoice because of the Lord. I will rejoice because God is the one who will deliver me. When bad things happen, trust. You won't like it, but that's the only way forward, to trust our loving Heavenly Father. I'm going to pray, and I think the musos are going to come and lead us in a song. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, you are our loving Heavenly Father, that you yearn for and desire a very close relationship with each one of us. Lord and you've instituted the means of prayer in order to develop that relationship can you help us both with the discipline of prayer but also in talking to you to be experiencing more of you and growing in our love and capacity to serve and to honour you Lord may your will be done in our lives we ask that Jesus might be pleased and honoured in each of us we pray in his name everybody said Thank right. you.